PM in Tech Online. JBA here, and welcome to bonus episode 23 of Diversity and Mentorship in Technology, where we continue the conversation about diversity, mentorship, careers, and business in technology with our guest. Each bonus episode is tied to a show episode, so don't forget to check that out first if you haven't already done so. Now, one more time, let's reintroduce our guest, Angie, and get into a deeper discussion regarding the topic of the week, engineering and machine learning. So Angie, welcome back. <laughs> so what I want to do is talk a little bit more, and I know we talked about it a little bit in the initial show, artificial conversation, machine learning, and a little bit of cybersecurity are kind of your hot topics and, and what you focus on. In terms of AI, just kind of give us a sense of what type of candidates you look for. And it's, AI is a huge space right now, but what do you kind of hone in on in that area? Yeah, so I um, work with a lot of data scientists and software engineers or machine learning engineers. So for machine learning engineers, everyone definitely needs to have around like four or five years of Python, and they have to be very proficient uh, using like Pandas library and um, scikit-learn TensorFlow, always good to have, and definitely a strong statistics background. So I've had one client who would ask candidates, um, how do you test for a state change? And a lot of the candidates didn't know how to do a t-test. Mm. And I was just getting so frustrated because I understand that they're computer programmers, but I was just trying to prep them the best way I can by helping them answer these questions. They're like, how do you know how to do this? Like, It doesn't sound like you're just reciting from the script. And I said, well, I did a lot of regressions um, less than a year ago in graduate mm. school. So I was helping them do that. And then for the data scientists, a lot of my clients are looking for strong uh, strong candidates um, with a background in natural language processing, so NLP. And this is slightly different from like clustering techniques and what Walmart Lab is doing. Um, NLP, a lot of candidates coming from uh, Bloomberg and even Sony will have NLP. Um, and it's just useful in a variety of different ways. I have one client who is building something really unique, really cool um, by analyzing huge amounts of like news data. And then they're going to try to build a platform where by using AI, the computer, in a, in a sense, will be able to generate content on its own, and they will be able to provide insights based on location. So that's pretty unique. Interesting. And I know that one of the questions I have, and you know, for maybe helpful to DMIT candidates as well, is that do you prefer candidates who, even myself, are kind of honing in on, I'm learning your React JS and a few other technologies, so I have a diverse background in tech, but... Do you prefer when candidates come in, they have a really specific hone in, like, for example, five years of Python and maybe one or two technologies where they're fully deep in versus like a full stack developer, right? Where they're kind of maybe five or six languages that they're pretty good in, but maybe not level 10, right? On, you know, one or two. What's your experience or what's your expectation yeah. when candidates come in or what's better for them? So um, at any given point in time, I'm working with about like minimum of like nine to 11 candidates or excuse me, clients. And so I have a wide range of roles open. So for example, one client might have like three or four roles open, like a front-end, back-end, DevOps, and full stack, for example. So when a candidate comes into me with a very diverse or scattered background, mm -hmm. so for example, candidates who have done a year of contract here and there, a lot of my larger clients, the Series H um, clients and up, they just say, oh, well, we want someone who is stable, who will stay with us for a couple of years. And this is where the fun part of my job comes in, where I directly speak with the hiring manager and tell them um, the candidate has looked like he's hopped around for the past few, excuse me, he or she has hopped around for the past few years, but 
in reality, this is just because they did contracts and coming in, they are definitely willing to stay and grow with the team and mentor the team for the next few years just because it's an amazing opportunity for them and this is what they're looking for. So for specific roles, for a full stack engineer, definitely the more skills that you have, the better. And I also make a case, for example, um, if you know Python then and Java, then you are solid for a lot of the back-end roles. And then for the front-end, if you have really strong JavaScript roles, I'm sure you can pick up uh, Node.js and all of the other more front-end related uh, technology or roles. Sorry. And in terms of the... So working as a recruiter, I have a lot of like niche roles. So one that comes to mind is like a principal cloud architect. And for that particular role, my client wants someone with a med devices background. So that's obviously very niche and very difficult to find. But again, you know, when companies do reach out to recruiters, they are also willing to compensate their candidates a lot more, which I feel a pretty good trade-off. That makes sense, right? Because they've had trouble filling these roles on themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, no, because I obviously, you know, <laughs> and I talk to recruiters and other people and candidates and, you know, somebody the other day says, hey, do you know anyone who has this, this, and this skill? And I was like, well, they have maybe this and this, but not, you know, the third one. And it's, you know, the flexibility of the candidate because, like I said, so many technologies out there and, and sometimes it's very specific where, you know, that candidate has to have that uh, and it may be harder to find, but sometimes it can be a little flexible because, you know, if they're ambitious, willing to learn and they kind of know Problem solving, I think going back from, you know, problem solving skills and, and adapting, it helps to put, put it in the right space. So that's, that's something that, uh, yeah, I definitely get it and definitely agree in, in that way. Blockchain. <laughs> I think it definitely depends on the client. Some clients are very strict on, they need to have minimum five years of Python. But working with a recruiter, I am able to make a case for my candidates. And sometimes they come in and realize that the willingness to learn is a lot uh, more critical than some of the other skill sets. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And and ability to learn quickly is is important in many, many environments as well. I was just going to say, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency, kind of like maybe the last topic you're passionate about. But, you know, interestingly enough, the two colleagues of mine, I'm actually writing a blockchain uh, cryptocurrency white paper that's coming out in a couple of months. And it's interesting because I had always been staying away from the, the currency. My background before tech was in finance. And you know, I'd always been a, a stable, right, market finance related. So my friend, my last startup, he got into cryptocurrency very early. So it's done very well. He's like, oh, you should come in. And I'm like, ah, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It looks like a, a new form of something. But what's your take on, on cryptocurrency blockchain? Because I, I know from a, you know, there's different aspects. There's cryptocurrency, then there's Bitcoin, you know, that, that type of thing. But as an industry, it's been around for a long time, but it's just kind of boomed. And the, the question is, is it going to stay booming, right? As this, it's very fluctuation-based, markets are kind of not sure where the, the future is with it. What's your take on that from a recruiting standpoint? Because you know, if you're hiring a candidate five years from now, really no one knows exactly where it, it possibly may be. Yeah, a lot of it is just pure speculation. I think anything that I have to say is, I definitely do not have enough credibility to speak on the issue. I just feel that it's very interesting. I have a lot of candidates and colleagues from graduate school who are very passionate on the topic, and I love listening to their lectures. And I know that UC Berkeley has gotten a lot of their students to really come together and do a lot of workshops, even for some of the larger companies. So in particular, there's one 
one person that comes to mind, his name is Max Fang. I think he's still an undergrad, but he's been lecturing to some of the bigger companies. I only know him because in my previous role, I worked for his uh, father for a wine company. Mm. Um, so that was really fun. But yeah, the kid's just been speaking on um, blockchain at all of these large events, and it's brilliant. And I think that's one of the great things about it. Um, it's accessible, right? So for example, one of the clients that I'm currently working with, they are working to revolutionize the finance industry um, by changing the way that people are able to take out loans. So the traditional method is someone goes into the bank and whether or not they can get that loan is determined purely by their FICO credit score. Mm-hmm. While uh, my client is taking other variables into account, such as the person's education and their employment history, and essentially using machine learning algorithms to generate a data point about their potential earning income, and then they're able to give out loans that way. So I think they're doing something really unique, really interesting, really cool. In terms of the cryptocurrency industry, I have been following Huobi a really long time. They are a Chinese cryptocurrency company, and I think cryptocurrency is obviously going to be around for a long time. Um, I think it fluct- it's going to fluctuate a lot. It's definitely not what I would put a huge chunk of my resources and time and money into. Mm-hmm. I definitely would not do it for a full-time job, not just because I love recruiting, but I myself am also very conservative when it comes to gambling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like with, uh, cryptocurrency, it is kind of like right. a gambling. And I know a lot of people will get very upset because uh, yes, it is an investment, but um, I think with any type of cryptocurrency investment, there is always a bit of, uh, a, bit of a risk. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You're, you're right. So people see, you know, oh, investing, it's like, yeah, oh, it's not gambling. Well, you know, like I said, as soon as they call, call a spade a spade. But I definitely I think you're correct. And, and even when, you know, I look at the markets and, and the cryptocurrency, it's fluctuations. So technology is here. And I think if you put it in a general sense, it'll be here in the future. But, you know, when you hone in on some of those specifics, it definitely is very, very interesting about the, the longevity of the, the specific industry that you're talking about. So. Uh, with that, Angie, I want to thank you again for just being part of the show and providing tremendous value and really had a great time. And I think the DMIT listeners will definitely take home a lot of information about your personal experiences and you know how to actually help their career for the future, whether it's recruiting a corporate startup or whatnot. Thanks again for providing that advice. Of course. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. This was really fun. <laughs> awesome.